Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a September 25th Sunday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer for BlazersEdge.com and the former Blazers beat writer for the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back. It's been a couple of days since we last chatted. I know that we were going to continue positions week. Uh, Some stuff got in the way. I apologize. However, we are going to finish off the week that we had promised that we had started last week where we discussed the Blazers' backcourt, their rotation, the outlook for their backcourt players. You know, we covered Damian Lillard, obviously. You know, we covered the obvious ones, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Alan Crabb, Pat Connaughton, Luis Montero. We even talked a little bit about Tim Quarterman, which I know that all of you who are big Tim Quarterman folks uh, were, were quite happy with the 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 love for for the uh, undrafted rookie out of LSU, um, who is also on the team, we talked about Shabazz Napier, of course, the Blazers' newest addition uh, to the team, who will actually be on the team that we know. Um, but today we're going to get to, although in the Blazers' system, the backcourt, the people who are listed here in the front court. Could also be considered backcourt just by the positions, the two and the three especially. Kind of divided these up into people who I think should be twos and people who I think, you know, ideally should be threes. Um, so I included Alan Crabb and someone who that ideally would be a two because while he can play three, just a little bit undersized and can get pushed around a little bit. So I think that he's at his best when he's a two. But um, I, we're going to start today talking about the wings, so, you know, basically the entire front court rotation, so the bigger wings and also the guys who will be playing, you know, asked to rebound more, guys that are going to be asked to do more tradi- things that we traditionally associate with big men. Uh, so we're going to start today off with Evan Turner, who will basically play like a guard, and he is, you know, I think – the ideal scenario in which the Blazers see this scenario playing out is Evan Turner becomes Portland's, you know, poor man's Iguodala, and they just hope that it works. And uh, they hope that it clicks. They hope that, you know, by just being a guy who wants to be in Portland, he can kind of connect with, you know, he can try and connect with the the team on that level, which, you know, they all try and, you know, talk a lot about, you know, how much they love Portland and how much they like being here. And, uh, you know, Turner has said all those right things, but can he coexist with the guys on the court? And if they can, that will be nice. He's a bigger guy. So he at six, seven, um, with a little more weight on him than does, uh, than has, uh, Alan Crabb, you know, then you're really talking to yourself into, you know, a guy who can, you know, really help, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. The only problem is, is that when one of those two guys who are better than him by a lot have the ball, then you know 
Turner cramps the spacing a little bit, which is why at times I argue that Crab would be better just because you know the spacing that he can provide. You know that teams can't leave him open. You know, and Turner brings some strengths of his own. He can rebound the ball well. Obviously, we've talked about his size and his ball handling, whereas Crab, while he can score, not necessarily a guy that, you know, is going to make a play for somebody else. And so, you know, you have to weigh all those things, but I think Turner in the end will be a plus for the Blazers. I think he will be solid. I think he will play in crunch time a handful of times during the season because they're paying him a lot of money. So of course, and I think this Blazers team, a lot of nights is just going to take a platoon approach to everything. And so, you know, with that said, I, I don't necessarily think that Turner will be the starter. And uh, I, I think the guy that will probably start will be Maurice, at least to start the season. I think Maurice Harkless will start just because the, the height that him and, Al Farouk Aminu have together the versatility that they can both play one through four, that they can both rebound the ball, that they can both really guard everybody, you know, in a pinch. And I think Harkless is better with the perimeter guys. I think Aminu is better with the bigger defenders and you know, the bigger, the bigger offensive players, excuse me, you know, against, you know, guys like he can guard guys like Aldridge or Dirk Nowitzki, or, you know, they've tried him, you know, sometimes maybe he shouldn't guard Carl Anthony Towns, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, he, he can do it. And he's really good against those guys And Harkless, I think is the better perimeter defender. You know, I, I think Harkless is just, he's a little bit quicker. He can guard guys, you know, usually when they play the Houston Rockets, it'll be Harkless chasing after him. In the Clippers series in the playoffs, Harkless chased uh, Chris Paul before he got hurt and then switched in. And then in the second round, you know, after Clay Thompson kind of went off in game one, they put Mo Harkless on him and, Hark- you know, Clay still hit shots because he's, you know, Clay Thompson. But, you know, it was a little bit, it was at least a little bit more of a challenge. And I think Harkless, just because he and Aminu as a duo are kind of a counterweight to Lillard and McCollum as a duo because they're both, you know, can at times be, you know, plus defenders really on the wing for the Blazers and can both, you know, hold their own in the paint, especially with the way the league is going. You know, to have two guys that size is just, I think, is a real weapon for the Blazers. And that's why I think ultimately that will be the first lineup that gets a shot just because, you know, they're keeping Harkless around too. Like this team is going to be deep. And the fact that they're paying their reserves a lot of money, I think is more a sign of where the league is and where the Blazers are, you know, in terms of also, you know, being able to fill out their cap sheet because of contracts that are coming on the books. But I just think that they're paying a lot of money for a lot of good players. And they're just hoping that they have more good players and more answers for what teams will throw at them than other teams. And that's that versatility and depth is really what this team is going for. And so, um, you know, you look at all that uh, and then I, you know, we talked about Harkless. So I think Harkless Turner, um, I think Turner is going to be a very important player. I do think that Harkless ultimately is just, 
it, it, he just fits well with the the two guards and Plumley and Aminu, and I just think that for those reasons, I think that that's going to be the starting lineup. But we'll see. Obviously, what we we don't know. Um, but continuing with the wings, Alfaruk Aminu, of course, he is going to be a power forward this year, so he is technically not going to be on the wing, but he will be floating on the wing quite a bit. He's still going to be spacing the court. He's still going to be playing on the perimeter offensively. Um, he's going to set some screens. Obviously he's going to slip a little bit. He, he can do a little bit of that as a screener. I think he was actually quite effective as you know, in that role at times for the Blazers, you know, setting screens and floating out and spacing the court. He really was, um, you know, pretty solid all season long, really got a, a major, you know, bump in his three point shooting after being a career 28% shooter. And then coming into the season and shooting 36% overall and 39% from the corners. Uh, and uh, these are great stats, by the way, uh, compiled by Kevin Pelton that he uh, looked over. By the way, you should go read Kevin Pelton's player profiles. He's a friend of the program. And uh, it does require an insider subscription, but you should get that because Kevin's stuff is good, just like all stuff on ESPN Insider. But uh, he had a great job, and here he had uh, – uh, you know, um, recapping Aminu's growth from the three-point line last year. And I think that a key thing about Aminu here is I don't think the league buys just by the way that the other teams guarded him and the way they so blatantly left him open. It seems to me that the league, just in the scouting department, does not respect the growth of Aminu at this point. And I think that it's going to be put to the test once again. And I think that a large part of the season will depend on what Aminu can do when given those open shots again. Because I don't think – I mean, you watch the playoffs. The Clippers left him wide open. The Warriors left him wide open. He was really solid against the Warriors. Probably, you know, other than, you know, of course, Steph Curry was out for a lot of that series. But – I mean, it was also a big reason why the Blazers were close in those in those games and close in that series because he really you know found a way to knock down some shots and other teams are going to test that again. I don't think just based off of how teams guarded him in the playoffs that that a lot of teams really buy that he is going to be uh, you know a, a, another a thirty six percent shooter again from three and so. Um, I wonder how he's going to respond to that. I'm assuming, I I think that he will do well. I mean, I can attest that from being a beat writer last season, and that was Aminu's first season, that I don't think anybody stayed longer and shot more jumpers after than Aminu. He was always working on three-point shots um, all the time. And so I'm assuming that because he's given this, you know, uh, opportunity to shoot a lot. I think he's taking it. Um, you know, his, his forays as a playmaker were a little wild at times. Um, but I think he did get better. And at the same time, you know, his, his, his drives were, were, were concerning, but you know, that's, that's also like the fact that the Blazers let him do that. The fact that Terry Stotts just like empowered him and was just like, Hey, Go for it. A guy you've never really touched the ball in your career as, you know, an, in, as an NBA player. And he is trusted to, you know, 
put the ball on the ground a lot. And, you know, his his turnover rate was really not that bad, at least in terms of his overall career. It was actually better that his turnover percentage was actually better overall compared to his entire career. His turnover percentage last year was 13.2, and his career turnover percentage is 15.7. And, oh, 15.4, excuse me. And, and that just means that, um, you know, a, a certain number of uh, – he had a lower number uh, – per, lower percentage of possessions with turnovers when he had the ball despite, a, you know, almost career high in usage rate with the Blazers last year. It was his second highest usage rate of his career, uh, second only to his rookie season with the Los Angeles Clippers, of course, also with Neil O'Shea. Um, but he really – uh, I, I think the turnovers were overblown just because of how sometimes they happened. And that's one thing about Aminu that I just um, – uh, that was an observation for me. Um, just based off of the statistics, he doesn't have like, you know, I'm pretty I'm, – I'm 100% certain that Aminu's turnover rate is less than Nicholas Batum, uh, the uh, stat crew – uh, for locked on Blazers is checking on that right now, uh, and yeah, I just think the turnover situation for Aminu was overblown, and I'm I'm right. Uh, Aminu's turnovers uh, were thirteen point six, thirteen point two last year, and Batum had with his in his last two seasons with the Blazers, he had an eighteen point six and a seventeen. And then last year in Charlotte, he had a 17.6. And I'm not saying that Al Farouk Aminu is a better player than Nicholas Batum, but I'm just trying to put into perspective the that I think the concern about turnovers should be minimized with regards to Aminu because it's really not that much of a problem. Um, I don't think it's costing the Blazers a whole lot for Aminu to have gotten the experience he got last year to handle the ball. And I wouldn't be surprised if he can handle the ball a little bit more this year because that is... Not that's not a surprise. I mean, the, the every the Blazers want more playmakers. I mean, playmaking, doing more things is like is where the league is going. And so, if Aminu can continue to improve and you know test the limits of handling the ball, you could potentially have you know five playmakers on the court. And if Turner can you know improve his three point percentage, then you're talking about five, so five playmakers that can space it, and you know a big man that is you know pretty aggressive, not a great you know, but uh, we'll, we'll get to the 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 big man, the centers, in a little bit uh, before we we wrap up with the rest of the front court. Noah Vonleh, I, I don't necessarily consider a center. Um, I, I guess I don't consider him a wing either. Um, so we're going to finish off the wing portion of this uh, podcast. We're going to get to the centers and the big men uh, shortly after this uh, as we approach training camp. Yes, it's training camp is this week, by the way. Um, and also, if you you know have other NBA teams that you're interested in listening to, highly recommend uh, checking out what the Locked On, Bla- Locked On Podcast Network has to offer. Uh, obviously, we have Locked On Blazers, which is hosted by me, but we have so many other uh, podcasts for almost every team on in the NBA, and and we've also started in the NFL. Uh, we have so many NFL podcasts now. Um, we just added Locked On Seahawks, so if you're a Seahawks fan, definitely check out Locked On Seahawks. Um, and 
Uh, I know today when I'm recording is a Sunday, so I'm sure you're all excited. We have a fantasy football podcast. Definitely checked out Locked On Fantasy Football. Of course, we have a Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast uh, with uh, Josh Lloyd uh, from uh, Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Uh, he came on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was great. He's an Aussie, uh, and he's really fun to talk to uh, and really knows a lot about fantasy basketball. So uh, great, great podcast uh, uh, with for if you like fantasy basketball because that time is also around the corner. Um, but we're going to end the conversation about the wings with Jake Lehman, uh, the Blazers' only draft pick, uh, and they, they did not – pick him technically the magic did and they bought his rights um he is a pretty big forward that was the one thing that in watching him during summer league that i really was kind of astonished by was just how tall he was and for how well he moved on the wing uh i thought it was an interesting you know he's he's an interesting athlete and I don't know if he will – I don't think he will see the floor much this year just based off of how rookies other than Damian Lillard have had their go of it with the Blazers. And I just don't think that he's going to see much of the court. He's 6'9". He shot the three well in college, did not shoot it very well in summer league, but – you know that's a very, very small sample. He had a really nice dunk in summer league. And anyway – you know, Layman, I really like his I really like his package of skills. He's compared himself to Gordon Hayward before. Um, I, I know that he is not saying that in terms of, you know, I think the whole the major impact that he made because he was kind of a college role player, whereas Gordon Hayward was a was a college star. But um, you know, he does have the athletic package that is reminiscent of a Gordon Hayward because he is so athletic, moves so well, so gracefully, and he's 6'9 and has really long arms, which is something obviously that Hayward also brings. And I think he has more of a chance to play than maybe I'm giving him credit for um, just because of how tall he is. And if there's an injury, I could definitely see him stepping in. Um, but that's the only way. But I, I, I do – you know, because of the things that I mentioned about being six nine and being able to defend on the perimeter with the Blazers guards, you know, how um you know, just because they're not the biggest defenders and aren't really gonna be equipped to guard threes and sometimes even twos, which we saw, you know, at times in the Golden State series, because Clay Thompson is just taller than CJ McCollum, he was able to get shots off and um, you know, a little bit easier. And so um, I think that having a guy like Layman at 6'9", um, who is truly a wing, can really, uh, you know, give the Blazers another um, uh, another option in that Aminu Harkless mold. And he's got to get better at rebounding. It's the one thing that everyone has said. David McKay came on the podcast and, you know, he was a little worried about saying that he could transition to four I think Kevin Pelton rose, raised the same questions about Lehman and those two guys both saw him down in summer league. So um, pretty good authorities on, on his, you know, projecting him. And so he's got to get a little bit bigger, obviously, or at least get a little bit stronger. Doesn't necessarily have to come in bulk. He's just got to get, 
he's got to understand how to position himself, um, especially in the league with bigger guys. I mean, I just think that that is, you know, really important. And uh, yeah, that that wraps it up for for all the the wings on the Blazers that are you know the bigger wings, not uh, the backcourt wings, uh, which we covered on a podcast earlier in the week. I believe it was Tuesday's pod, um, and uh, Jake Lehman. We just covered. Uh, we also covered Maurice Harkless. We covered Al Farouk Aminu, Evan Turner, and uh, so that wraps it up for the for the Blazers' wings. But uh, now we move on to the more front court type players. Obviously, both of these groups are playing in the front court technically, especially in today's league with Aminu playing the four. But in you know he he could be considered a wing at times. So we're going to start off with the guy who I think is going to start at center for the Blazers, who I think everyone thinks is going to start at center for the Blazers. Mason Plumley um, came to the Blazers last year in a trade along with Pat Connaughton for Steve Blake uh, and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. And he started all 82 games for the Blazers last season, was uh, truly their third playmaker uh, last season because Lillard and McCollum, you know, they would get blitzed a lot of times. And then a lot of times it wasn't uh, Aminu or Harkless or Myers Leonard or Noah Vonley who were really – always getting the two guards out of trouble it was Plumley, and Plumley always found a way to you know he was really quiet in the first game of their playoff series against the Clippers and then after that really bad first game he really woke up and uh he really showed what he could do and I think you know he he's just kind of like a gamer yeah I, I you know he's not great on the analytics or the rim protection, or the you know defensive plus minus, or protecting the rim all that well. But it, there's just something about his game that he just like is very aggressive. He makes things happen, and he's a guy that a lot of guys on the Blazers love having on their team. I think uh, Damian Lillard was really impressed with the fight that Mason Plumlee had, and I don't think that we can discount how much Lillard likes you know, for lack of a better word, being in the foxhole you know, to, to, to go with that reverence, being in the foxhole with, with, with Mason Plumley, And I think that Plumley is, should start again. Um, he really just, you know, just really just was an amazing playmaker. Uh, I've never really seen a big man pass in the way that he has with his dribbling. I, I don't, I don't know if I have ever seen a, a guy, you know, pass that way, but he's got to finish around the rim. He's really, really struggled against the Warriors. Uh, Draymond Green kind of erased him at the basket. And, um, you know, you want your seven-foot center to be a little bit stronger. And I think, you know, when he goes up with the ball, a lot of times he holds it a little bit below his chin. He kind of, like, brings it down to bring it up. You know, a lot of one of the things that they, you know, try and teach big men is to keep the ball high. And, uh, you know, he kind of just struggled at times. And, uh, I, I, I don't know what, where that's going to come from. I don't know if he's going to develop a go-to move. I don't know if he's going to be able to, you know, make one dribble and, and, and pivot and finish. I don't know what he's going to add to his game, but it's gotta be something if he wants to, um, you know, really solidify himself as the Blazers number one center, because I do think that there will be a time where, 
Myers Leonard is going to play his way into the conversation. And that brings us to our next guy that we're going to talk about is Myers Leonard, center, um, been in the league for a while now. Just got his new extension, four years, $41 million. Um, he, he got offered four years, 40, turned it down, got the extra 1 million in the off season from the Blazers. Um, and he had a really tough season last year. Uh, I think he really anticipated kind of being a part of the Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, because he had been here. He's been here just as long as Damian Lillard has. And so in terms of, you know, how long he's been here, how, what he means to the, you know, what he feels like, what he feels to the franchise really, because he's been here through a lot of stuff for them and he really wanted to have a big season. And then he gets hurt, um, you know, about 13 games into the season, uh, in a game against the Spurs had to miss a lot of time. And on a road trip, the Blazers started toying with Noah Vonley in the starting lineup and their numbers immediately after that were really good. And I think the Blazers also, you know, they saw some things when Myers Leonard came back playing him with Ed Davis. And I think also just pairing the two skill sets together that Davis really dynamic offensive rebounder, you know, but also, you know, a little bit smaller, a little bit skinnier than your average center. So he can kind of run around with, quicker guys on the perimeter, whereas Leonard is a pretty big guy. You know, he's seven foot one, 240 pounds at the very least, and he really uh, thrives at center. And I think uh, if they can get him on the court, if he can continue to develop his game offensively where he can take advantage of mismatches on the block if they're going to put a smaller guy on him and then also you know, really step out and knock down shots and really give the guards a lot of space to work with in pick and rolls or just by spacing the court and moving around without the ball. You know, I think it's an incredible weapon that is kind of unmatched with a lot of teams. And uh, he is, to credit um, Danny LaRue, who was on the podcast last week as well, um, Myers Leonard's also a counterweight to like some of the game's elite rim protectors or elite centers, because if the center now has to guard a guy that's seven foot one, but can shoot threes on the perimeter now has to guard that guy out on the perimeter, then that opens up the paint for the little guys to attack. And, you know, most teams don't carry two rim protectors or two guys that can't protect the rim. Obviously the Warriors are going to be a team where, you know, Kevin Durant's also seven feet tall. And then there's also Draymond Green and, you know, so and there's going to be Zaza Pachulia. So there are going to be teams that, you know, but this is at least can push those teams to their limits with having a shooter like Myers Leonard. And uh, I don't know how if he the problem with him is he's got to get a little bit quicker and his reactions still are not, you know, quick enough to really be a true anchor defensively. I think he's really excellent in the post. I'm sure many of you as Blazers fans, if you watched the last couple of, the last season, uh, he was really big against in games against the Sacramento Kings uh, because of his defense against DeMarcus Cousins and Cousins, you know, for whatever reason, just refuses to take to take Leonard in the pick and roll, set screens, try and move off the ball a little bit, and he just goes after him in the post, and he doesn't score very much. I mean, he gets his numbers, but it's he gets frustrated by Leonard because he's a big guy, and um, he 
Marc Gasol also got a little bit fed up with Myers Leonard um, uh, earlier in the season before he kind of broke his foot. Um, And so he has the potential, and I think Neil Olshay also said it during his press conference when they introduced Myers Leonard, that nobody has better defensive potential than Myers Leonard because he is 7-1-245, and if he can figure out how to anticipate things and how to really move his body and how to, you know, understand where things are going to happen before they happen, if he can start to really do that and, you know, really rebound the ball well defensively and continue to shoot the way he can, you're going to have a real, you know, you're going to have to decide there's going to be real decisions to be made about who is going to play center at the end of games. Because if Leonard is really that good, then you also have Plumley, and Plumley is going to be a free agent this year. And so maybe you have a decision about who you're going to keep. But both of these guys, again, it's a good problem to have because both of these guys present, you know, different types of weapons that can, you know, be really hard for teams to handle. Of course, you know, if Leonard doesn't iron out some of his deficiencies, though, it'll be hard for him to really become a defensive anchor and a starter. Um, But Ed Davis, I think, was the most underrated player on the Blazers last year. And he was not just underrated in a skill respect. I just think his role and what he meant to the team was also underrated because he has bounced around the league. You know, he has been, he's been on a lot of different teams and he really for a while didn't get a shot to play. And I think that was a lot of the guys on the Blazers last season where, uh, you know, not Damian Lillard, but you know, you have a lot of guys that necessarily maybe hadn't really bounced around, you know, maybe Mo Harkless, maybe Al Farouk Aminu, guys like that. But, um, you know, th- those guys had bounced around the league a little bit, but then you have guys like CJ McCollum who had getting had been getting bounced by injuries and uh, not getting to see the floor and not really getting to play a whole lot. And uh, I, I I think Ed Davis um, really you know understood that path and and he was so solid last year. He played uh, in almost every game except for a game where he had an injury, and he was one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. Good finisher can really uh, just get you, especially against bench units, he really just punishes you and was such a valuable guy to have, you know, in those times where, you know, maybe the offense for either team isn't going to be really that good because that's just what happens when, you know, bench heavy units normally take the court. And then you have a guy like Ed Davis who just is really, really good at one thing, and that is picking up the garbage and putting it back in the basket and he is such a weapon for this team. And I, I, I was worried a little bit that he may not play a whole lot. And I still also worry about the, you know, the Blazers needed a rim protector and getting Festus Azili, who we'll get to in a second is, was very key and a very good move just because of how cheap it was and kind of how low risk that move is. But Ed Davis is, was so good for the Blazers last year at times. And he's, a decent enough passer in that he thinks of, you know, always getting guys involved, even though he may not be like the prettiest passer, not in the way that Plumley is, but he, he's still an effective passer. And I really do think that he is, is, is crucial to what they do. And I wonder, you know, 
I wonder what the calculus would be in playing him or not playing him. And, you know, he's kind of walking into this season kind of being the, you know, the old head of the team now because most of the guys that they're bringing in are all young. And at 27, Davis is really by far the oldest guy on the team. And so he's kind of, you know, at 27, like the the grizzly, the grizzled vet on the Blazers. And there's going to be nights, you know, I, I think just because of all the money that they paid to the big man, the change in style that they're going to, going to more small ball, less, you know, big man heavy lineups. I think there's going to be a lot of nights where he doesn't play. And um, I... I wonder if that could backfire on the Blazers, but I don't think it will just because of how talented they are. Um, but yeah, Ed Davis, elite offensive rebounder, huge part of the Blazers team last year, not just in the, what he brought to the team, but also what he brought to the team as a veteran who had kind of been through a lot in the league and was really an example to a lot of guys, you know, just, you know, and, and, and a kind of a vet took care of guys, you know, uh, was really, really that type of guy. So, um, Getting to the last guy on the list, we have Festus Azili. So the Blazers acquired Festus Azili in the offseason after he was let go by the Golden State Warriors because that's what happens when you're a career backup center and the team that you're playing for has a chance to get Kevin Durant. And um, he was really hopeful for a big payday, as Kevin Pelton noted, um, when he was kind of a star in the late stages of the finals when the Warriors won the championship against Cleveland. He really played big minutes in the last, in the final few games of the NBA finals when the Warriors won the ring two seasons ago. And his brief time in Portland, it hasn't been, you know, quite the, uh, you know, awesome fresh start. I'm sure, I'm sure that he had hoped he had to get a bone marrow slash, you know, uh, I think it's a kind of it's just kind of like a PRP injection. It's it's something, you know, similar to that and it's it's where you, you know, they get an injection in your knee and it is supposed to promote healing and it's like for for bone health and and all this stuff. So obviously we knew that Azili's knees were really bad because the Blazers got him for a two-year, you know, two-year deal worth 15 million and really only one year of it's guaranteed at 7 million. And so they were obviously able to get him at a very cheap price. And Mark Spears reported that earlier in the summer. And Azili could be helpful to the Blazers in the late stages, I think, of the season. I don't think that – I just think because of his knees and them being so uncertain, I don't think that they are going to you know try and use him too much in the regular season unless they really need it. I think he could really be a late stage of the regular season or, you know, playoff type of guy where he really is a strong defender, can play later. I think Kevin Calabro is actually the one who um, brought that up when uh, the Blazers play-by-play announcer Kevin Calabro was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago that he really sees Azili as a late season player. And so, you know, sure, he's getting this knee procedure and it doesn't sound good because you never like hearing things about a big man getting a a knee injection, you know, six weeks before the season starts. But that's what uh, Azili had to do. And I think the Blazers are deep enough to, uh, you know, really go through that okay. And 
you know, really just hope that Azili is healthy for the playoffs when, you know, they may need a, a different type of game changer uh, to really, you know, change things for them in the playoffs that just brings them a different dimension that they didn't have last season. And Azili, if healthy, which is like, you know, basically an addendum to his name at this point, but if healthy, he really can uh, do that and and was good at times against the Blazers last year too. So um, he, he really struggled in the finals, but um, that that Warriors team also seemed a little out of sync at that stage in, in a weird way. And so, um, you know, maybe it's maybe a little too harsh maybe to hold that too harshly against him because it was just a very short time. But still, um, he will probably not be healthy to start the season uh, or at least to start training camp, uh, which starts here this week. Um, and then we have Noah Vonley, who actually started quite a few games for the Blazers last year, did not have a great uh, plus minus despite being, you know, on the floor with the starters for the majority of his time on the Blazers last year. But keep in mind, it was his rookie year. I am on Vonley Island. Um you know, I believe that he's going to be a good player. I really do think that in this, where the league is going, you're going to want to have a guy like him because he can, with his size and versatility and speed, can kind of be, a, you know, your modern small ball center against, you know, new age teams that, that play that style with a, you know, maybe a non-traditional center or at least a center that can do a lot of different things, can move well off the ball, float on the perimeter, et cetera, et cetera, defend on the perimeter. And I think that's where Vonley can re- really has a chance to really shine as a player. I don't think he's going to play very much this season. He just had a procedure um, and he's not healthy at the moment. Uh, so yeah, um, it's, you know, we'll see how he is if he starts training camp. Uh, but or when he starts training camp and see how healthy he is. And hopefully for him, he gets some time in the preseason to, you know, get a little bit more time on the court because I just, I'm not sure just because of where the team is going with a at center and, or not a at center, a at, at power forward and, you know, paying Myers Leonard a good amount of money, how good Plumley was, you know, Harkless, how well he played at times at power forward. I really just don't see Von Lay, um, when your goal is to win, you know, 50 plus games, I, don't, I just don't see the current version of Von Lay helping the Blazers, you know, really do that. But he is important to this team. He's important to the growth of this team. And if he can figure out a way, if he, whether in practice, he shows it and earns his way onto the team, or he, you know, really, you know, shows out in camp or in preseason or something and really shows a, a, you know, a newfound confidence in his game. Because I think one of the problems with Vonley is that he sometimes lacks a little, lacks the confidence to really play well. And I think if he can develop that and a little bit of a, you know, an edginess to his game, um, I really think that could help take him to the next level. But we just have to see if that, if that really happens. And I don't think that mo- that those of us watching the Blazers on TV, those of us that don't get to see him in practice every day, which is just the Blazers, will really have any idea about how much he's improved um, over the course of this next year, um, unless we get you know some injuries to the other guys in the front court. Because I just don't really see, you know, 
I, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to see it, him play a whole lot. And I'm going to wrap this up with some of the front court guys that are brought in for camp. Grant Jarrett, um, he was out of the league uh, for a little while. Uh, so he was apparently rehabbing from an injury and he is trying to get back into the NBA. He played for Utah and he was with Oklahoma city. Um, he, you know, is, he was billed if I remember correctly, when he was coming out in the draft as like a stretch for a shooting power forward, they've had those guys come in in the past as like camp invites, uh, like guys like Omari Johnson, who is always, uh, on the Blazers, uh, training camp or summer league rosters is, is usually there a lot because he's kind of just a, you know, shooting foreman. So it looks like they just found Grant, Grant Jarrett and, you know, he's trying to get back in the league, was in the league, played in the D league extensively, but, um, he's going to be at camp. And then Greg Steamsma was signed, uh, last week by the Blazers for camp. I don't expect him to make the team just given, even though not all of Portland centers are healthy. Of course, Myers Leonard has the shoulder thing and he doesn't know yet if he will be back to, if he'll be ready to start the regular season. But um, I don't think the Blazers will add another center, especially when you have a guy like Ed Davis who, you know, is at risk of not playing a whole lot this season. So I don't think they're going to waste, I don't think they're going to use up a roster space on, on bringing back the steamer. So, um, but yeah, Greg's team's going to be in camp though. So, you know, probably good for the Blazers to have a, just another seven footer while a lot of their guys who were, you know, big guys like Azili, like Myers Leonard, like Noah Vonley, you know, may or may not be ready to start camp right away. But, uh, so that should do it for the, uh, roster breakdowns. Uh, we didn't necessarily do them in the exact way that we had planned, but you know, we had three pot, we had two podcasts, you know, we took care of the backcourt last week on Tuesday, and then we're taking care of the wings and the front court today on this podcast. So I hope that, um, you enjoyed that look at this year's roster, kind of breaking down what we think the rotations might be. And, you know, it's here y'all. It's it's media day tomorrow. It's training camp. Like the NBA is is back, and so uh, I think there's going to be preseason games next week, like Friday or something. So, um, welcome back, basketball. Very excited that it's here, and uh, we will have more podcasts for you on here, right here on Locked On Blazers. Excuse me, and you can follow me at Eric underscore Gunderson. On Twitter, you can also follow the podcast at Locked On Blazers. And if you have any questions, and I think we should do one of these mailbags if if y'all want to do one, um, send any questions or any topics or guest requests that you maybe want us to try and, and track down to Locked On Blazers one word at gmail.com. So that's it's just Locked On Blazers at gmail.com is the email address if you want to send a you know a longer form thing other than just a tweet or a Twitter DM uh, to Locked On Blazers uh, f- for any questions that you have about the team or the league in general. Uh, I'm very excited that basketball is back. Uh, I'm going to renew my league pass here very soon. So uh, very excited that it's here. So uh, I hope you are as well. And thanks for listening to uh, this edition of Locked On Blazers. And we will be back again, we'll be back again on Monday with a new episode of Locked On Blazers. Thanks for joining me.